0: Hello there and welcome to the Over Our Garden Mall music podcast. This first episode is with Graham Skinner discussing the music of 1974. The full podcast, including all songs chosen by Graham, can be heard on Spotify, search Over Our Garden Mall. However, if you can't access Spotify, this is a copy of all the chat from the podcast. You can, of course, listen to Graham's songs on Apple Music too, just not on this podcast. Apologies for this and hopefully one day we can publish a full on Apple as we do on Spotify. Enjoy the chat and stay safe. Hello there and welcome to the first episode of Over Our Garden Wall, a music podcast that is setting out to establish, if possible, what the best year for popular music was. To help us do that, we will be joined by a special guest on each episode who will nominate their favourite year and provide a playlist of songs from that year, which we will listen to, discuss and no doubt debate. I'm Brian Davidson and I'm joined today by my co-host and neighbour, Andrew McDermott, who we know as McDee, and more importantly by today's guest, Graham Skinner. Most of you will know Graham as the lead singer and co-songwriter of Hipsway, who have dazzled us since the mid-1980s with classic albums and live performances. Graham has also been involved in numerous other musical projects over the years, most recently with the Skinner Group. Hello Graham. thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. Good stuff. I'm really looking forward to playing some of the tunes that you've chosen. There are some absolute crackers on the list. And they're all from your nominated year, which is 1974. Yes. So without further ado, let's go back to the music of 1974. And to kick us off, it's the mighty Sparks with This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. So there we, we have our first song, Sparks, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. Uh, and uh, Graham's just been given us a, a lyrical rendition to one of his favourite songs. It's, it's a fantastic way to start off the podcast. Um, and, and I guess... You know, the kind of obvious question, Graham, is why 1974? Okay,
1: 1974. It's probably not anybody else's first choice, probably not mine, to be honest. Um, When you suggested this, I thought, first thought was 72, 67, or 69, maybe. Then maybe I thought 76. Seventy-seven or seventy-eight. Then maybe even some of the eighties would have been great as well. But the reason I picked this was because uh, it's the year that I bought my first record. And my first record was this any big enough for both of us.
0: Fantastic. Well we start. And you, yeah. yeah, I guess it's not aged either because of that connection to it as well as it being a, a brilliant song.
1: And it hasn't aged anyway. It's like it doesn't sound like anything else. There's nothing that sounds like that. I think oh they a great, well just a magic period through the seventies where every song they brought out was brilliant. And that hits, there's a greatest hits that's uh, mostly seventy stuff and It's not a bad lineup.
0: Do, uh, do you hear a bit of a, a sort of similarity between bands like that and maybe say the Associates from the early eighties?
1: Oh, I mean at least I, I suppose like that idea is two guys, you know, like a singer and a and an instrumentalist who, who kind of you know and sort of get that freedom you know the, to do what they want which is quite often difficult to uh, to manifest in a, in a band of four or five or six guys and girls you know because many you know chiefs and not enough Indians in that respect uh, so like guys can just say right let's go yeah. operatic do whatever you know yeah, so definitely
0: associates were definitely like that weren't they, did... so now, they? Yeah, yeah they did and in and, and my uh, comprehensive research that I did Graham I, I found out that it got to number two in the UK charts It so didn't quite manage to get to number one any idea what kept it off the number one spot
1: I haven't got a Scooby
0: um, in my opinion an absolute classic um, Sugar Baby Love by the Rebets
1: oh Right. So there you go. I, t- I tell you what, the, the I got, I was 12 and I got a £2 record voucher and you could go into any sort of record shop with this record voucher and there was one, a shop shot Bear Hill Road and I got, uh, that was the one I went in for was Sparks but also another song that's coming up on this uh, playlist uh, don't know if I should say if it was spoiled or surprise if you care about that. Uh, Judy Team by Able, uh, and then the other two were a bit fellerish. Um it was the arrows, touched too much, and Ray Stevens the Streak. Right? So, what was it? What was the last one? The Streak by oh, Ray Stevens. Yeah, right. The one that
0: had
1: the
0: whistle thing on it.
1: Uh, it was like, because streaking was a bad. that was a thing that was going on all the time That, uh, Like people were, it was something people they wanted to do. They were streaking at the cricket, they were streaking at the basketball in America and all sorts of things. Anyway, it was a terrible record, but it was, uh, I loved it at the time. Yeah, but, uh,
0: but your first two were, were crackers and they're the first two that you've chosen for your um, your selection as well. Uh, also, I also noticed in, the, in part of the blurb about the um, the Sparks tune that uh, someone who became very famous in the 80s uh, actually wrote in to the NME when you used to write in, didn't you, to the letters page and what have you, uh, when he was 15-year-old declaring that his favourite record of all time. was what that? Think? Morrissey.
1: Oh, and he, he said it was this time big enough?
0: Yeah, when he was 15. You know, oh, and,
1: I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, was oh, case... he's, he's kind of gone back up in my estimation a wee bit after
0: uh, these. Well, yeah, he'd have to, wouldn't he? Yeah, um, and I think again, you can see that kind of independence that you were you were alluding to there. That you know, he's kind of a guy who would have liked that unique style yeah. and um, adaptation and stuff. I
1: don't, there's n- nobody like him, you know.
0: And, and, and still going strong. Yeah, I know.
1: That's amazing. Yeah. I, they they did that thing once in London. Uh, at the Café de Paris, uh, they did twenty albums over twenty nights, a separate album every night. Wow! So, uh, when i, I'm, I'm, I like sort of met them briefly a, uh, when I was working at their gig in the, the what is it called again? Uh, the, the O2 Academy, and they did they did the new album, and then they did the sort of sets. The two sets, and they were absolutely amazing. Uh, and I've seen them with Franz Ferdinand as well. Still, that's only a few years ago they were brilliant.
0: And have you managed to see the biopic that's come out?
1: No, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, but I bought the last album, which I really liked as well. Yeah. So I kind of went away from. Uh, I I, I'll be honest, we haven't got loads of their albums. I've probably got four or five. But uh, like you know, they must have made. Oh, getting on for between twenty and thirty albums of you it, know? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, I'd say
0: so. I think that, um, and they're so different as well, aren't they? The two brothers that the kind of style between them and the uh, you know the, the the writers, the pianist, and the frontman's the performer, isn't he? It's,
1: um, Weird thing, it's, a, it's a, 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 I always remember the first time I went down to meet Annie man in London, in London yeah. and it was Jerry Michael who was a manager. And the guy that he took to me was Muff Winwood. Muff Winwood produced that album. I and mean, he's Stevie Winwood's brother as well. Yeah. You know. So I, I was quite. That was.
0: Good. I, I think I can see me D walking about there, but um, I think he knows Muff Winwood or he's certainly connected to someone because he's such a well-kempt figure, isn't he, in the, um, I, in the music industry?
1: It's, it's a, I'm sure he would, know.
0: It's a great place to start. I genuinely can't think of a better song. To start with, because you know, you, you, can, you can love or hate it, but you're not going to ignore it. Yeah, you know, I,
1: it's,
0: it's iconic, isn't
1: it? I, th- I, th- I think it's has got be difficult to hear that record, man. It's no,
0: just... I, yeah, yeah, I'm on your side there, big time. And if you wanted, maybe want to, to join those um, first two songs together, because I think the second song that you suggested playing. Was connected to your your first purchase, and you mentioned that they're um, yeah. by Courtney Rebel.
1: That's right. Yeah, and that's another. What it doesn't—that's a record that doesn't sound like anything else either. That's what I love about the '70s. Is that there's so many different sounding records. There was so much experimentation, even in like just kind of pop mainstream records, like David Essex. You know me listen to his records. Listen to See if you listen to production and Hot Chocolate, man. It's amazing. It's so yeah. interesting. So yeah. many unusual sounds going on and stuff like that. They're really clever.
0: And what, why do you think, sort of around that time, 73, 74, it seemed to be like a real kitchen sink of styles and genres? Why do you think that was at that time? Yes, it's theory? like
1: that kind of, there was a, it's like, there's a sort of shifting of the tectonic plates or whatever. There's like, um, disco was probably just about starting, but nobody knew about it then. Uh, technologies there was new technology coming in, like different synthesizers were becoming instead of being a big, massive sort of electronic board that you, could, you know wires and like a telephone exchange. They were becoming like just a keyboard, and you pressed a button, you got a different sound. They were becoming more accessible and stuff like that. So there were so many different uh, um, avenues to go down. And I guess, yeah, man, I can't really explain any more than that, but I guess it was just always happening as well.
0: And uh, um, and Courtney Rebel, are you a bit of a fan generally, or is it the song specifically? No,
1: I'm no, not a fan. I love that record, and it was because it was like, those were the two records I wanted, and I just, like, I didn't, I wasn't wise enough. Enough to know what other ones are, and I thought I'd better get two other ones. Ah, just give me them, right? yeah. and uh, you know. But a of four in bad, and then um, I don't even touch too much. It's okay as well. But um, yeah. I've, I bought the album as well, the, the, the Sparks album. So I used to, uh, I used to live in the third floor, a tenement building, that overlooked the Kelvin. I used to play that record, on repeat, all day, I knew word in that album. And I, and this sounds crazy, man. I was like 12-year-old, I'd sit with my feet hanging out the window of a twelve, you know, three-storey-high tenement building, listening to the sparks, thinking I was gas. <laughs> <And> it, was, <laughs> it was mental. Uh,
0: but that's that's the way it was, right? Yeah. And you, your neighbours must have loved you for that,
1: Graeme. Uh,
2: <laughs> probably. <laughs> I know the idea. feeling. Sorry. Yeah. I said I know I know the feeling. I have to listen to his son play music incredibly loud <laughs> over the world. Yeah, that's, that's,
1: true. I, you, that's you ca- true. Good neighbours are you know you should appreciate a good neighbour and uh, yeah. they're a blessing. They are a blessing.
2: True. Indeed. The music's
0: generally fairly good i think we're going to pick up on the the second song that graham suggested which as you say was part of his initial kind of um buying into to music and and everything about it so this is um judy teen by cotton the rebel i think uh, it was probably their first or second single i think it was the first single that they had a hit with yeah uh, at the time uh fairly new band really uh, at that point and um steve harley i think was maybe getting a bit of a name for himself self as a performer a bit like um a, Brussels from the Sparks, I guess it was that sort of 70s style was quite big, wasn't
1: the, it? The, 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 it? just seemed like a really original kind of, you know, bunch of people. And when, that, when you look back at people on, you know, Top of the Pops and, all, and like, everybody looked really quite ropey and stuff. But at the <laughs> time it was, like, super glamorous. You couldn't believe the ways people looked. You know, I'm like, yeah.
0: I'm,
1: Mary Allen, Glasgow, and, like, these amazing outfits, and, I mean, even, like, I mean, this is the the reason, one of the reasons that I I got into music, you know, is because my mum always watched off of the pops. Like, that was, like, it wasn't wasn't up for debate, you know? And it wasn't something I wanted to do at first, but eventually, after years and years (laughs) You know, watching it, you're like you started looking forward to. So yes, yeah. the seventies came in; it was just amazing.
2: The thing I I, I was saying to Brian this afternoon that eh, for me at that age it was Swap Shop every Saturday morning, the music on, and eh, I, I, a wee bit later. But I remember "Come On, Baby" Lee, Your Lover, Me Barasi, and I remember Kate Bush. All, all these things it was all Swap Shop. I grabbed a top of the pops came later for me. Aye, uh, well, so I mean. I,
1: because I, I mean, I like I love to do modern TV shows as well, and uh, but I, and I remember well, Swap Shop was a radical show, wasn't it? When it came out, you yeah. know, and then uh, but then ITV came up with Tiswas, yeah, that's I right, changed
0: it, just kind of blew it away,
1: you know, yeah. like So, I,
0: I think like it like the sparks of um. TV children's shows, wasn't it? It was just um,
1: it was just out there. Uh, it was bonkers. Yeah, it
0: was. Well, let's have a listen to your, your second song then, Graham. Um, so this is uh, Cockney Rebel at the time. I think they became Steve Harley and Cockney Rebel. But at the time, they were, were um, just Cockney Rebel. And this was their second single, I think, in the UK. And it's called Judy Team. Enjoy. Uh, actually, I'm a big Cockney Rebel fan. And there's a, myself and a friend called Paul Jackson, um, who are the only two people... I was about 10, 11, 12, that kind of age, um, who really were into my at all, other than Make Me Smile.
1: I mean, I I probably, if I went back and got an album or something, I'd probably really like it. And, of course, like, when I was that age, I wouldn't know if they were, like, you know, all these, there was loads of these bands of reference and other things, you know, like, The Rebets or whatever, or Mud, or all these, they were all referencing other bands, you know, Isles or whatever. They were all referencing Beach Boys, Beatles, whatever. Uh, But I wouldn't know that, you know, or understand that, or, you know, so it was kind of, you kind of, you just saw it as fresh, you know. It was all all just fresh to you. you Hmm. And it, it was a fresh anyway, but it's like, um, you thought they invented rock and roll. <laughs> do you know what I mean. Yeah. You didn't. really think about Bill Haley or whatever or Elvis and that like that. You just thought we have invented rock and roll. Do you think that's the
0: great? Sorry, what Greg. I was going to say. Do you think that's because when you when you looked at them, Graham, they, they looked as if they invented it. They were so um, they were so gallus, weren't they? Aye. They, Aye. they looked so cool. You thought, well, nobody's really done this before, I guess.
1: Um, yeah, and I, you know. and I guess like the, Well, so much of it is wrapped up in image and I stuff like that as well, and especially yeah. when you're young, you know, you just see these people like, Yeah Like, like different issues of, uh, you know, animal or whatever, they, they, they don't look like they don't to come from very old, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I think, I think the other thing uh, that you sort of pick up is that a lot of the bands didn't last that long at that time or they had like a very fluid lineup and lots of changes going on. And Cockney Rebel I think were were a, a bit in that field where I think most of the band members actually sort of threw Steve Harley out of the band. Um or they left and I think they formed the Bebop Deluxe. Oh really? Yeah. That's where the kind of backing band of Bebop Deluxe came from, the original Cockney Rebel.
1: But not uh, Steve golly. Harley.
0: Yeah, well, that's when Bill Nelson then came on top of that and became Bebop dogs
1: So Bill Nelson was part of Cockney Rebel? No, 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 he joined uh, the, the backing the band. Guys. Yeah, uh, the
0: backing band, sorry, I'm being unfair on them, but the original Cockney Rebel band became the Bebop band, if, if that makes sense. But a brief
1: sidebar here, um, we had a guy in playing keyboards with us one time, and he was the keyboard player from uh, Bebop Deluxe. And I always get this bit wrong. I think his name was Andy, but his real name was Simon. And Simon was a bass player, I think, and uh, Bebop Deluxe, or the drummer, I can't even remember. And he was like a big, bigger, stronger, more imposing personality figure, whatever. And he made this Simon change his name to Andy because <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want two Simons in the bit yeah, uh, but he was a brilliant player that guy as well yeah. I love people docs. it's another one of those ones I've got, I mean I've probably got like most of their records I think I've got all of their albums it's kind of like I can't bring off everybody's name even though I totally did the album cover listen to the lyrics and read them and all that
0: so, uh, and when you were listening to music about that time, Graham, was the kind of style side of it, did that feel quite important to you? Because a lot of the bands you've referenced there were kind of quite cool bands, weren't they?
1: No, I didn't know what that meant. You didn't? I mean, I was kind of like, I was kind of like intimidated by Bowie at that point. Um, But, you know, it, it seemed like that was so far away from my, but then I remember like going to get my kind of not a haircut where you, you went with your, your granny or your dad or your ma or whatever. My, 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 a solo haircut by myself and I wanted to play hair like bowies. But I didn't think that was possible like, like I didn't even know anything about products and you know, <laughs> and all that stuff. Yeah. And, I was like, I want to run over that. They cut my hair so it was like a feather cut, but that was... I didn't know Yeah. This, this way. Yeah. So like, I, was in, I was starting to get interested in that kind of thing, but I was also you kind know, of like terrified by it, you know yeah. what I
0: mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you had to be brave to walk down the street as well. Some of these guys wore their stage gear going down down London High Street, didn't it? So it was. Aye, so I, I was mean, like, there's
1: no way I was cutting <laughs> about. It. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the thing. Later on, I was pretty gallus, but not yeah. at that age.
0: There is a, a tenuous link between uh, Steve Harley and uh, and Bowie. So when Mike Ronson passed away, um, so Mike was from Hull, I think, and. Um, Harley played a gig there a few years later and realised they'd been trying to raise money for a, a sort of statue, tribute statue for Mick Ronson for a number of years but um, hadn't managed to raise the funds and he came back and did a, a sort of full benefit gig to raise the funds for that and I think it was that they got them over the line to get the, the kind of statue put together which is still there today. So, Well
1: he, Harley, he, he's got his radio show now and all that. He
0: has, yeah. Yeah, he's managed to sort of stand the test of time, really. I think he's, he's gigging again. I think he's playing later this year. Um, I, God, I know he's he been Ed up here Yeah, a, little,
1: you know, a few years ago, yeah, anyway. So he
0: has definitely. So those first two songs are, uh, you know, they're not, they're not the same, but they are kind of similar in that kind of quirkiness and. Uh, they're definitely different, different. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. That's a good word for it. Your, your next selection. Kind of moving over to, to, to another part of the musical world, uh, so this is uh, a track from Joni Mitchell, yes, Car on the Hill. So, w- what's made you um come towards the uh, Joni's album for one of Well, I was
1: looking when I, de- when, I, when I decided I'm going for this 74, I just went and looked at what albums come out that year, uh, what singles and stuff like that. You know, I'm not a computer, I can't remember all that stuff, and uh. I saw that um, Colton Spark was one of the albums that came out that year. That is not close to being my favourite Johnny Mitchell album. It certainly wasn't Johnny Joni Mitchell at that age. Um, but I thought, and I was thinking it would be interesting to pick some records that I liked at that time, talk about more as it come along, and then I also some of the records that I got into as I got old, yeah, and Joni Mitchell falls into that category, and yeah. I totally love her. Uh, and this album, Quote and Spark, that this is off of a the Hill, is probably considered to be one of her more kind of commercial albums. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still like the, art- the artistry is, of it is incredible. The lyricism, the the tunes, the production, and I. I I like this song because, pardon me, it's a song I would love to have been written about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also, like, she's really gone for something with the production is a mad sort of bit in the middle, like this sort um, of operatic, you know, spirally, so It's kind of odd. It's a bit unusual. Uh, yeah. So it's not, I don't even know, this. It's an unusual song, but it represents something that I'll go into. Usually, not knowing about it. At the time.
0: And there's a few stories about who the song was written about. Have you, have you heard who that might have been about?
1: Well, it's a bunch of people in there. I mean, she, 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 she was, not uh, <laughs> Hey, Joni. Um, like, could have been James Taylor. Could have been Neil Young. Could have been a bunch of other people. I don't know. David Crosby or whatever.
0: I heard Jackson Brown, so I think we've covered all the bases there pretty much. <laughs> uh, so this is um, this is Karen Hill by Joni Mitchell. It's from the album Court and Spark, uh, which as Graham says, I think was our fifth or sixth studio record, but probably our most successful one um, to date at that point. Um, and I think it was quite big in America as well. And I think there was a lot of chat about the different styles there because she she was originally quite folky, and there was a fair bit of jazz around the the kind of Court and Spark feel. So. Uh, she was kind of stretching you know, her style, yeah. and it, it comes across a very, very mature record, isn't it?
1: What, the, the last last song on that album is it's like a, it's two songs, in one. One she wrote, and the other is a song by a Glaswegian, well, co written by a Glaswegian, Annie Ross.
0: Right, okay. And,
1: and like, it's that's that's another bizarre one, but yeah. like, I've met Annie Ross a couple of times, and he's like, an amazing person, well, really, so incredible. Um, you know, got that link.
2: So that was another did, weird connection. Did she live in the US or was she still in Glasgow at this point? To, uh, Annie Ross, I think. Yeah.
1: I think she came over to do the jazz festival. Right. She's probably living <coughs> in America and came over to the jazz festival in Glasgow. So i met her in Glasgow. Great. Right.
2: Great.
0: Right. Okay. yeah, it's a small world indeed. What news? <laughs> Absolutely. So on that on that note, let's have a little listen to a Hill" by Joni Mitchell. So that was um, that was a Hill" by Joni Mitchell. That was the third song from uh, Graham, and uh, and we're talking about nineteen seventy four, and we had a, a number of stories there about uh, connections to Joni, um, both direct and indirect, and one I hadn't heard about about Annie Ross, which was great. Uh, another thing I did here was that the one person she played the full album back to before release was Bob Dylan, who yeah. fell asleep <laughs> through <laughs> through most of it, uh, and then wouldn't give her any feedback about how, how good good or bad it was. So she she just put it out there and uh, and it, it went and done very
1: well. So do your own thing, man. Who gives a fuck?
0: Do your own thing, exactly. You, you mentioned about records uh, of, of the year there earlier on, Graham, so I had a, a little nosy about the, the best of charts uh, from 74. Um, Some of these probably ring a bell with you. So I've, I've got some uh, albums, first of all. I'll shout a few of these out for you. We can maybe do a few singles later on. So the top 10 was Average White Band. Right. Debut nice. album. Um, Wondered any, any kind of hip sway? feel in the average white band it's
1: kind of oh i think uh, we probably didn't think about it but yeah. it was definitely but it was of course we did yeah. we weren't like let's try and be the average white band or anything but like there's no there's no way that they were an influence on yeah. us you know i mean he, it's just possible they and a
0: great an a great influence to have as well
1: because they were they, they recently we, the are yeah we we never went. Oh, let's let's do
0: something like them. But of no. course, they were an influence. I mean, it was, they're they're amazing. Yeah. They are amazing. Number nine was Country Life, Roxy Music, which I know you're a big fan of. We'll maybe come come back onto that one. Then there was a Stevie Wonder album, uh, Fulfillness, First Finale. Yeah, which it's funny said, because I don't know that one. That, that's
1: a, no, that's I a
0: weird it,
1: one. Bec- yeah, that's a weird one because like you know, I got on, I went through a phase. You know what it's like. You discover you really like somebody and then you start back through their and buying all their albums. I don't remember buying or even seeing that album.
0: No, me neither. I'm aware of it. One that kinda
1: escaped me. No, but you know, I went through a phase and I bought like six or seven albums and I can't believe that I missed that one.
0: That's maybe one to make a note of for all of us. We might have a a revisit to that. Uh, number seven was Robert Wyatt, rock bottom. Uh, number six was Neil Young on the Beach Which oh, okay. again I, I know you're a big fan of um, Five was Todd Dungan Todd Spent a okay. lot of time on that title uh, Eric Clapton at four 461 Motion Boulevard uh, Dylan at three before the flood When he wasn't asleep <laughs> um, And number two was The Stones It's only rock and roll And Pretzel Logic by Steely Dan was oh, okay. the, the best album or the best rated album
1: these are the ones that people said were the best
0: you know the best, the best of the best type uh, charts that you get through the music mags and, and what have you that was the end of year stuff that was all voted through so there's, a, there's some belters in there but um, as you say there's one or two that, that maybe certainly slipped me by um, yeah I time. mean
1: like all of those people are I wouldn't say I was a big Eric Clapton fan although I've seen them live but I always feel like I should appreciate Todd Rundgren uh, more than I do. Um, yeah,
0: just just because he produced Battle of Hell" of nothing else.
1: Just what he would
0: produce Out of Hell," didn't he? Todd oh, aye, yeah. Which anyone like who managed to that? anyone who managed to do that, and you need to tip their hat to them. <laughs> uh, I, never thought, I never even thought about them. Yeah, yeah. but like, yeah, because it's, it's one of these guys. That he's
1: just you know. You know that he's, he's got it but I, you know, he kind of passed me by and yeah. I never went, never went back but I the light in your eyes and stuff like that, some amazing
0: Yeah, some amazing tunes, fantastic. And, and your next choice uh, was something that's maybe moving back again a little bit towards that more uh, pop, glam area or certainly a kind of catchy bubblegummy type type feel which is a band called Pilot, who I remember very well from the time for a whole bunch of reasons. Tell me what you remember of Pilot and the songs that they did at the time.
1: I only remember like uh, two songs or something, uh, Magic and, uh, what's the other one called it? Months or something, Days what was it called? January. 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 Sick and tired, you've been, you've been yeah, I, I love that as well. But, you know, he's Scottish, and I didn't, I didn't even know that he was Scottish till years later. And, uh, like, now of course, like, you know, I know that, and I've, I've sort of met him when we, when we started playing again, like, about, what, in uh, 2017, when we started rehearsing again in Edinburgh, we were working in Edinburgh, and our drummer, Jim, he plays with Davey all the time. So Davy was about, and he came in and we, we met him and stuff, and, you know, him was telling me all about Davy and how he played on English albums and stuff. That.
0: That's right, he did, and played on, the, I think, the Kick Inside and a couple of others with her.
1: He still goes to uh, Japan and has a wee... Tour every year or whatever and stuff like that, but he's, he's like okay. he's really interesting. But you know, those are only those two songs. I, know, I wasn't, I didn't have any money by records of the band. That yeah, I like certainly not then. No, um, I, I
0: would, I would agree. And I'm not sure they they didn't really go for that long. I think they um, they probably lasted till about '77 in their original form. And, and the then thing moved on.
1: Thing about that song is like. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good song, right? And it's brilliantly produced and played. But it's still sung today, in football matches now. yeah. Every week, yeah. somebody's got a version of that song. They do. That, that whatever their are saying, it <laughs> is yeah. to that tune. It's amazing. And mean, you think it's,
0: do you think it's that kind of simplicity of the song and, you know, it's easy to sing, of course, and it's easy to remember... Um, you, you know, I guess it must be tough. I guess when when you're putting songs together, you must find it very difficult to. You can't just write catchy songs, I guess. It doesn't really work like that. I don't know what it's going to No. I don't. I've never. Really, I
1: can't really put my finger on the process of it, how it works. I mean, I think like certain people are good at doing that. And they, they tend to write hit songs. I just kind of like let it fall out. And I've kind of more often than not been kind trying to say something, even if I didn't know what it was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, but I was trying to say something personal uh, rather than caring about whether it was successful or not, you know. Um, and, how, and how would that like, normally you, work, Would
0: you normally talk, come up do the words? first and then sort of melodies would come round that or how, how would you normally approach it?
1: Well certainly I, 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 I turn quite often or I used to just write stuff and book and just leave it there and then if, when there was some good music I wonder if that will fit into that or whatever yeah. rather than you know you know it's like yeah it's totally separate, usually. But, but what I like now is to be given, or to come on like a phrase, a title. Titles are good if somebody gave me a title for a song, I could go away and write a song around that title, and that would be fine. You know like that'd be good. I need to start. You need to start.
0: So if someone gave you the title "Magic," would you have come up with? something like the wouldn't they come album.
1: up with <laughs> that <No>. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have yeah, yeah. it's a great song it's
0: a great song and it was written by a couple of the guys as well so I guess you know in the 70s a lot of it was um, songs written by other people wasn't it But it wasn't there it
1: wasn't David's song was it is that right I think and it was David else's...
0: and uh, Billy Lyle all I, think right. they, I think they co-wrote it um, yeah so that I think they've probably lived off a bit of that well,
1: there's um, so many great, I, I remember, uh, it's that whole thing about in Scottish. You yeah, know, the, the amount of amazing songwriters and bands that have come out of this country. I get mean, it. I mean, and like somebody like Gallica and Lyle or whatever, they kind of, nobody really thinks about them, for example. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Kinda gets mad a bit or whatever. So many amazing guys that was through
0: the 70s, he's, he's right through 90s, not just staggering. What's well, we have a listen to Magic, and we can um, we can reminisce about how staggering it is once we've listened to it. So this is um, Magic by Pilot. Well, that was um, that was Magic, pure Magic by Pilot. And <laughs> yes, it was, was pure, it genuinely was pure magic, Um big hit at the time as well. I mean, you forget the, these guys knocked it out. So uh, Graham was saying earlier on there that this was their kind of first hit single, and then they had a, an even bigger number one with January. And again, you, you hear that now, you it's you automatically remember the song and you know what it's all about and the outlooks and the and the, you know the the vision and all the image and stuff they had. It's an amazing time. I also read a couple of other things. I read that a couple of the guys were, were kind of in and out Bay City Rollers before, oh, they, uh, before they sort of, it, just before they, they got to that
1: launch pad. That be a yeah. connection, right? Yeah, so. I
0: think so. Yeah, it was all a little bit, uh, you know, interim and nothing particularly concrete. But um, yeah, I think they were kind of a wee bit unlucky, kind of on the edge of that. Um, and the other thing was I heard that the, the guy who produced the record... Uh, has a connection, direct connection to the Beatles.
1: Handful uh, of It's a, a, a man
0: called Alan Parsons. Who, Alan Parsons. Alan was the Parsons, Alan Parsons Project. That's correct. Uh, so Alan Parsons was the engineer on the the kind of last couple of Beatles records, and uh, and as you see, ended up uh, becoming uh, the Alan Parsons Project, I think, in the in the late seventies, and a couple of the band from Pilot went to join him in the band. Yeah, uh,
1: well the Alan Partridge, uh, and Parsons Alan Partridge <laughs> 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 The Alan Partridge project. <laughs> it was one of those ones to hear, but I never knew what they sounded like. You know? yeah. And I always thought that sounds a bit corporate or something. I never I didn't understand that It was probably going to be a bit so got, I couldn't tell you what one of their sort what they sound like at all, but they're probably really good.
0: I couldn't tell you either. What I could tell you just to finish on this one is that uh, I know the song was covered by Selena Gomez. So if you wish yourself forward, what would that be? 30, 40 years? Uh, she actually did it for a Disney series that she was starring in. Some sort of wizard. The wizard's of Waverly Place. Yeah. I
2: have so
0: a daughter. There you are. That
2: Thanks, so Thanks, so BD. I, I knew
0: you were going to add value yeah. content. Brian's to his, went and
2: done all this, this done podcast. so much research for tonight, and I'm shouting out. There was <laughs> a wizards of Waver. I was sure to say Hannah Montana until you said um, involving wizards, and then I was. I knew I was right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, well, I'm you Maybe right.
0: check that one out. Then. <laughs> yeah, it's probably more memorable than the Alan Parsons Project. I'm guessing. So. Uh,
1: I'm more Alan Parsons <clears throat> than Parsons definitely. Yeah, and
0: Parsons and Partridge, I've never been able to hear that now without confusing yeah. the, the, the two. My again. work here is done. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Okay, so we've got four songs in there. a Really nice mix of them, Graham. And the fifth one, again, takes us to another area. You touched briefly uh, earlier on there about sort of what 74 was really as a year. And I think you mentioned that uh, some of that was the early incarnation of disco just starting to kind of come through into the, the sort of wider mainstream. And your next song, I guess, was, was maybe part of that, yeah. which was um, Rock Your Baby by George McRae. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah that, that's a song that I remember loving at the time. Um, um, but not really thinking, oh, this is a disco... A disco records, so, you know, yeah. or this is a soul record, or this is an anything. it's just a record I like the sound of. Yeah, you know, I didn't at that age have any uh, real understanding of like genre or uh-huh. you know the, the backstory or the, the history of like, artists and stuff like that. It was just it was just a record, and you liked it or you didn't kind of thing, and I wasn't like. It's so, or it's, I didn't know what any of that meant at that time. But, um, of course, later on, you know, it's probably still seen as like a kind of bit of a classic. Mm. And, um, weirdly, I've been quite lucky I ended up, I was, I used to do quite a lot of backstage work. Uh, And I met uh, the woman that the song was written about which right. uh, is Gwen McKay. Right. And she, she used to do it live as well. She's like, this song was written about me. Yeah, you know, yeah. She's like a real, was a brilliant woman, uh, really uh, entertaining and, and a great singer as well. So. And that was
0: his wife, is that right?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. and I, I think there's something about, because I think it was originally going to be the, Casey and the Sunshine Band were going to record it. Okay. Yeah, I, I saw there
1: was some connection with yeah. that. I don't know what it
0: was. Yeah. I, I I think the band were recording it, but the singer can't remember remember his name, Casey, but he was struggling a bit to, to kind of to pitch it and you know hit the notes and all that. And I think they spoke to her about singing it because they wrote it with her in mind, but she was unavailable or something, and he stepped in and said, I'll do it.
1: Yeah.
0: And um, and there you go.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: single. If, I've never heard any
1: other songs by George
0: okay. Me neither and my, my comprehensive research didn't throw up too many he has he um, it, it has got a really interesting stat which was that it sold 10 million copies uh, worldwide kind of hard copies worldwide obviously before digital and uh, there's less than 40 artists have ever done that Well, yeah which if you think of the way he landed on the, the song um, as you say, fair play to him for right place that, at the right time.
1: I love that kind of, you know, it was never meant to happen kind of thing. That's, that is that is magic. That is That's magic. magic.
0: <laughs> it, it, and it turned out the Rolling Stone gave it their song of the year, which is um, which is amazing really, if you think about it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I, 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 I spent my whole life not learning, deliberately not learning other people's songs. Because I felt like it would inhibit my own creativity. Um. Latterly, I've got quite into learning other people's songs, so I went away and learned. I tried to learn that song. Well, it's quite a simple song, really. Yeah. But it's quite hard. To time. It's quite hard to sing it, and t- yeah. the, the timing of it is quite weird. Uh, I found it quite difficult, even though the chords are. I'm I Can you hit the
2: notes? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, that's...
0: for the purpose of the for the purpose of the podcast, that was a Graham. That he wasn't Graham.
2: Failing cabinet. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, ah. I don't, good. I don't have a failing cabinet, fortunately. <laughs> I don't
2: know. Um, <laughs> Just, cl- Just close your computer um, down really fast. <laughs> <laughs> I need to put
1: a wee clip over it <laughs> like that first. Time. Yeah, <laughs>
0: absolutely. Okay, well, let's, um, let's have a listen to this with Debbie Single from George McRae. Um Number one in the UK and the US, sold over 10 million copies, as I mentioned earlier, and uh, when you hear it, you can understand why. So this is Rock Your Baby by George McCrae. So that, that was Rock Your Baby by George McRae.
2: Just as a footnote and there, uh, Brian, um, you were saying about not knowing any other songs, the B-side was called Rock Your Baby Part 2.
1: Somewhere in it, a baby. studio, there's a, a horse that has been... <laughs>
0: <called>. <laughs> and then the disco mixers probably yes. have three stream four. Um, For sure, yeah.
1: With a fair light
0: involved, sorry. So we're moving back on to to kind of slightly safer waters, uh, safer land here, and we're going to talk about, uh, I think, one of the iconic bands of the mid-70s, which were Mud, and uh, one of Graham's um, selections, which is Tiger Feet. So tell us your your memories at the time of Tiger Feet, Graham, because it's such a a visual. Oh, brilliant song, Um, and then,
1: you know, Mud were totally gassed. They all had the same. They all wore the same suits and all that stuff. The, uh, the, the guitar player, you know, there was a, a bit. There was a wee touch of the sweet about them as well. Like, one of them, he, he was a bit camp and all that. You see me? I don't know how that happened, <laughs> but um, they did. And they did that wee daft walk thing, you know, yeah. the, which, what I wouldn't know was like probably taking the mickey out of the, the shadows, you know yeah. what I mean? That's right. But like, uh, that, I don't know if you remember, uh, Dial-A-Disc? Yeah. So yeah. that was on Dial-A-Disc, and I, I probably, like, did my granny's telephone burn, <laughs> and I'll all the time, for, you know, on a telephone. But, uh, I remember getting into trouble about that. Stop listening well, about 20 times or something.
0: And did you actually end up going out to buy it or did you just oh, no. dial a disc?
1: Or? No. I, <laughs> I sickened myself, you, I seconded myself you, and dial a disc.
0: You didn't have to because it was on the radio like, you know, yeah,
1: 50 The point is, record. I mean, as I, as I was saying earlier, I didn't have the money to buy records back then. Yeah. I, I, this £2 thing for my birthday, my 12th birthday, what that. I don't know how I got the money to buy the first Sparks album, but that was only the records I had for a long time, until I got a job, which yeah. was a paper When well, that's years later, so but these records, in a way, are like uh, the, probably the records I would, I would, have, I like to have bought, or, or I'd like to have known, basically. So it's kind of like half remembered, half. What is it again? Uh,
2: sentimental for something that he didn't even, he didn't even experience. I can I ask a rather yeah. naive question here? Was yeah. was home taping, I know by the end of the 70s because I used to tape the radio all the time, but was was it popular in 74, were people just taping songs off the radio, or was that still a few years away? It would have been, I,
1: mean, I didn't have that technology in my disposal either. Yeah. A couple of years later, I guess I remember, like, Probably, maybe it may have been a year or two later. We had a like a video cassette player thing that you could record, and I used to record like yeah. Tiger Time and stuff like that, and mm. like the sort of thing. But for me, at that point, that wasn't something that was even open to me at that point. Yeah, I mean, it happened, yeah.
2: but someone convinced have my way. dad that a tape, a tape recorder was the best. So we bought a really expensive stereo system. We didn't have a turntable; it was all cassettes. So I was just taping things left, right, and center.
1: I was I, perfect I, I, I for. Yeah, I wish I had, it didn't really occur to me at that age, you know. But, mm. but a few years later,
0: I was doing it all the time. And what was your um, what was your sort of peer group listening to Graham? So when you're with your pals, were you all listening to the same music, or did you did you differentiate? Or?
1: Well. The only uh, we we didn't really sort of talk that much about music. I mean, we all liked all that stuff. But that that year, which is like uh, first year at school, we guy along the road from me. a wee Chinese guy, and he, him, and, and the guys next door, to him, the O'Briens. But us lot, we just used, used to play football together, and the O'Brien brothers and stuff, They had records and they liked uh Cooper. Right. I used to bought you'd get maybe got a Lonia record off somebody, so I had billion dollar babies off of them. And I liked that to you know, so I had to game it back. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I have to get that record. That was a that was probably the second album I got Billion Dollar babies. And I, again, I knew everyone, but that was like that's probably a year later, so it's not in this Disney Fine in this category. But that, that would have been in if, if, I actually no, that was in from the year before, right? But
2: near that's like, why I
1: included like. in this one. Um,
0: and do, do you remember going to school at all, or call? Did you just have like a common room that would would play records or take?
1: Uh, t- we we no. Ah, we, we didn't have common rooms at it, like, it was the first year of school, so mm-hmm at the playground and kick up all of it yeah
0: yeah ruin your new trousers right.
1: oh absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely
0: and and I think the, the thing about Mud uh, apart from the fact that they wrote some great songs that were, you, you maybe forget they were huge at the time yeah like I
1: mean I knew they were kind of like being playful Yeah. you know I knew enough that they were kind of playing with stuff and I liked that you know yeah, and kind of knew they were like the you know, on Partridge project. Do you know? I knew they were like, you know, they were for me rather than yeah. like the guys who were like in uh, fourth year at school with a big long raincoats and all that. Yeah, I knew they were
0: yeah. yeah, I think you're right, and I think they, they looked as if they were enjoying it as well. Aye, didn't they? You but know, there was never they they didn't look as if they expected it to happen for thirty years.
1: I kind of. I've, I've always been kind of jealous of uh, bands like that. And, I mean, even, like, even, I know, I'm really good pals with the guys in the Bluebells and stuff like that. They, when they were, like, number one for six weeks with Young at Heart, they, they started doing all that. Like, they were just, what will they do this week? Yeah. Kind of thing. So, you know, we'll, we'll all there. <laughs> Purs with reindeer on them or whatever right <laughs> kind of what the specials used to do and madness yeah. and those kind of bands yeah and mud the sweet they all kind of did things like that as well Slade, like they were quite playful whereas we were we were always a bit oh. yeah we all but like um so they had that opportunity to explore the humour, you know
0: yeah, but again, that kind of simplicity in the song that you mentioned earlier with Pilot, I think it was, you, you know, you heard it once or twice and you knew 90% of the words. Aye. You know, you're singing it walking down to school, aren't you? It's, it's, it's an amazing thing to be able to do.
1: Aye, to be able to just become part of the fabric of, yeah. you know, society. Mm-hmm. And was, yeah, like, I mean, this, this is how, uh, what I, how I remember really starting to like music. And all I wanted to do the wee boy, was play football and so you'd be out playing football but then some I remember we were out playing some guy came, we were playing we were kicking the ball about and the guy was like going I went to a party at the local county jail and I was like well oh, that I felt that like that's really good that. and then my mum would have these records like the top oh, of right. records, and I would like and I didn't yeah. know they were in a So that was all session musicians
2: like, covering top of the aye <laughs> aye cover hits. Aye, it's just like <coughs> just a way of like being able to,
1: you know, sell records without yeah. paying any royalties. <laughs> it's just a way for George McCray coming <laughs> to start picking up <laughs> uh, the shop. So right. that, like and you know, Jeepster was, you know, the one that I loved best on one of these particular records that my yep. mum had. But like you know, it's just in songs. That's Scottish people are like that. Yeah. Like they love singing and they love music, it? You know? For me, it's one of the defining characteristics of being Scottish. You know, very few Scottish people absolutely yeah. love music. Yeah.
0: And do you think that's it's not still the same season? music
2: but, but they all like?
0: Something. Is that is that still the case now, Graham? Do you think?
2: I uh-huh. Yeah. I uh, when you mentioned you've mentioned your mother a couple of times tonight. I tasted music. My is, all I remember in my parents' house is Simon and Garfunkel, Bread, and the Beatles. There was there was other stuff, but I'm kind of zoned it out. But it was all very melodic, yeah. you know, stuff that, that you know. But when I got a bit older and became a teenager, I went through my rebellion years. But you end up going back to these things, Brian. I think you said you're sorry. Sorry. Oh.
1: No, I just going to say keep about, keep I had the with
2: conversation you. with Brian about this. I think you said your parents influenced you, but they maybe had slightly, it was more like Frank Sinatra in that era.
0: Yeah, oh. um, well, everything from Sinatra through uh, Streisand, um, Jack Jones, Neil Diamond, uh, all the kind of classic singers, um, as well as the popular stuff at, at the time. But again, yeah, melodies, everything with those guys, you know, I didn't really hear anything that had fuzz boxes in it or lyrics I couldn't hear or or whatever. And I think it sticks with you a little bit, liking that that year for picking up the tune and the and the words and stuff. I, yeah. I think that stays with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, have I mean, sorry, Graham. I, I, what was I going to say? I like my mum never. There was never a second. The radio on or something on the day, so you wake up in the morning, the radio's are just getting this fed this subconsciously all the time. Saturday mornings, Frank Skerritt show, all that mm-hmm. country music and stuff like that. I didn't like it the time and I didn't think it did. Years later, I'm like, I like country music. Was it later on? Is it, is it discovered? Because of, of, yeah, it creeps in. It a creeps in. It um, in.
0: There's many a, many a wedding, I think, the Tiger Feet and Mud has... Um- has managed to yeah, get the I,
2: wedding going. Uh, I, certainly, certainly the ones I've yeah, been at. At the West same coast, time, so. Ruby Don't Take Your Love to Town is not, a lot of people don't think that's a credible record. It's phenomenal. Production on it is amazing. And the, 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 the l-, lyrical content, you know, that that's up there. I think, uh, I think people do probably don't even think, I, don't, I don't remember figuring out what it was
1: about Cause I, you know, I, I knew it, it was because one of those, a story song, and I remember going, was <laughs> like, "I began the war." That's what's gonna, because I was quite a, of a wee sausage when I was young, but like, uh, I was like, been you know, in the war." That's what he's talking about, and I was like, "That's brilliant." You know, it's not, it wasn't just you know, kind of, a guy who was Elsie's wife, maybe, which he was going. Into town was because he was Aye. a cripple and he
2: couldn't. He had a, something short and he went, ah! <laughs> it wasn't
1: me <laughs> that it, it yeah. started
2: that crazy old, Asian war. War. but it was actually written for the Korean War, not the Vietnam War, because uh, it was it was oh, covered. Okay. It, it was a cover version.
0: I don't think Tiger Feet has any war references, as far as I'm aware. I got <laughs> like read. No. <laughs> Okay, then we turn other... uh, ado. Sorry, Graham, and you come.
1: No, you come. I'm just like the jingles. <laughs> <laughs> tiger red, tiger red.
0: That's neat. That's neat. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, 50, no, 50, 50, 50 on that one. Okay, <laughs> for your enjoyment and pleasure, this is Tiger Feet by Mud. D- do you think the the songs of that that time? I think maybe. Th- three or four of your, your songs, Graham, would sort of sit in that category of, um, sort of classic pop singles, uh, which is which is a great thing to be applauded. Do you think that whole glam rock era, is it, is it maybe kind of underappreciated? Is it, oh, boy, you know, yeah. Yeah. If I think not know, if the, Beatles was, had, if the Beatles had written half of them or the Kinks or whatever, you know, you, you wonder the what they'd
1: say. It, I something. think it was seen as disposable. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I mean, that's what mob music yeah. was supposed to be anyway. I don't think people thought that we'd be sitting about talking about it, you know, 40, 50 years later. I mean, uh, I think, you know, they thought it was supposed to be disposable. Look at the number of
2: look at the number of people that sold yeah. their rights or, or had their rights sold. Beach Boys, Back Catalog, even things like the Monkees came around again because, you know, that's what happens with music. You know, Ighish, Ighish. Yeah. They, didn't the
1: realize, they didn't realize they were, they didn't realize they were making art, you know, and like yeah. that art would have a, a longevity. Even this so-called kind you know pop poppy yeah. side or the, the, the disposable, whatever you want to call it, you know, aspect of it, they didn't realize that that's art yeah. and it will be around forever.
0: I don't know if it maybe helps to validate that those comments. I, I absolutely agree, but if we have a we look at the top. 10 best-selling songs of the year. Uh, I've got them as uh, Carol Douglas, Kung Fu Fighting. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: and, I mean,
2: yep.
1: You
0: remember that. Every, every one. Oh, that the
2: oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, number nine was Ken Booth, Everything I Own.
1: Brilliant.
0: Uh, classic. Uh, number eight was The Rebets, Sugar Baby Love, which is uh, one that. of my top 10 songs ever. Uh, seven was Mud, Tiger Feet. Number six was Paper Lace, Billy Don't You'll Be Bearful for
1: Your Love. I know that that was another uh another story song, wasn't
0: it? Absolutely. And followed on by yet another story song, number five, Terry Jack's Season and Sun.
2: That was actually a French song. Uh, yes, he was a big fan of some it? French composer whose name escapes me. And uh, right. he translated it in English. The guy was obsessed with death and sex, basically. And he uh, I could for years that one confused me. How could that have been a hit record? Great right. tuning, whatever, but, yeah. yeah. Some...
0: Hmm. Didn't know that. It
1: was a weird one, because it wasn't very <laughs> happy. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, I remember, you know, it was one of those ones. Yeah, Joy, we had fun. Ended really up a football
2: awesome. song, as you said earlier on about... Yeah, another, did, another
0: football song. It did, indeed. Number four was George McRae, that we talked about earlier, Rock Your Baby. Uh, three was Charles Aznavour.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Days, don't know. Uh, like, obviously, the, 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 I wasn't like really, I wasn't a big favorite of I mine, mean, but um, he Charles Aznavour used to do that thing, <laughs> <laughs> but, do you, I, mean, I thought you, that was so clever. Do you know what I mean? Like, do, you, do you like, do you like, yeah, I for it?
2: those who can't um, see this. <laughs> uh,
1: is it, that, that's what I remember best about Charles Aznavour. Yeah, that it, he was a collaborator. Really? Yeah. Aye. <coughs> yeah, I, I think that takes the yeah.
0: shine off a shoe. Yeah, I was going to say neither of those two things are to is be that Really?
2: Um, is it? Is that true? Charles Aznavour yeah. was he a collaborator? Yeah.
0: No, I heard that. No, I wasn't. There. I, I, that's uh, that's allegedly. Of, course, of course, When we get yeah, to Aber, when we get to Aber, we've got a bit of
2: yeah, Gaba, a subject.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Before I get contacted by someone from
2: Some um,
0: Spotify, Zoom, or, or anyone else for that. Yeah,
2: Asnobor, uh, I'll I'll
0: I'll yeah. <laughs> number two was The Three Degrees. When will I see you? As soon as, it? as this
2: finishes, I'll be right yeah. over the wall. Uh, uh, sure.
0: Amazing song. And uh, number one was one of your earlier references in Graham David Essex. Going to Make Your Phenomenal.
1: Ah, oh, cool.
0: Which doesn't get any better, really.
1: Yeah. David, the, early David Essex is about uh, I remember, uh, this is just a wee odd, bizarre one, I was like, all of was a TV producer, and he, he was making some he was making this programme, and he, I was helping him out, and he said, can you do some acting on this? So he said, I want you to be like the, uh, kind of like the guy that's, looking after a coconut shy type thing. And he said, you know, so I did my thing. And he said, I'm going to credit you as Jim McLean. <laughs> I was like, what's that? Said, Jim McLean was the character that he played in- uh,
0: Ah, right.
1: You know, the two movies.
0: Yeah, that will be the day and um, yeah. Uh, Stardust. Yeah,
1: so uh, just that kind of niche sort of knowledge that was beyond me.
2: Stardust, the one Adam Faith's manager.
1: Oh, yeah, I yeah, I think that's
2: always, Every crazy. every point in the film, we, when he was about to sack somebody, we just say, can him have a quick word and take them out of the room. And that was how David Essex got rid of his band and crew and things like that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love
0: to watch that again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm, I'm sure that's
2: not true to life. Ah, up. I remember out for a pizza <laughs> to soften that's the blow. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, there's,
0: no, there's no soft in that love. There's no. no sugar in that no. no that's true, that's very true Everything done for the right reasons I, I think your next selections is um, a very interesting one uh, And again I, I, I'm not sure I'd heard this song before I'd, I'd certainly heard the band But um, maybe less so the the song Which is uh, Homely Girl by the Shylights. Yeah. So tell me why you've chosen to put that one in Because it is quite a bit different to the, the others that you've
1: Picked on chauffeur. Well, like I say that's another song um, that I knew at the time. I didn't know. I didn't think <coughs> this is a great soul song. Song to me, and I really liked the melody. Yeah. And I could, there was a there was something in it that I really liked, and it was like how he was talking to the the, the mm. girl. You know, he's like, you know. Like, I remember you when you were young, and, and nobody liked you, and now they all like you. And but I knew you were special even then, sort of thing. And I kind of something about that resonated with me when I was young. Even mm. I kind of I totally got that. Out of the song it wasn't just a melody or a song or whatever, um, and then it was like. watching watching The Sopranos again and there was a a bit in The Sopranos where they're talking about the childlike and how how brilliant the childlike are and then this all happened and I was like, that's got to be in it it's a brilliant song, amazing song I I, I, I loved it when I was a kid I remember it having an effect on me in a mental, spiritual physical, Mm -hmm. whatever way Uh, and, and here it is just seen it on the Sopranos, and now I've been waiting for some songs to talk about in the 1974. Yeah, and, the, and it's, the, it, that's what I love about music as well as that kind of thing. You know that how it takes you back. If you ever listen to, uh, you know, like the um, Ken Bruce Master mm-hmm. Program, right, which mm-hmm. I hear very, very regularly, and they always ask you, okay. Uh, Episode does named a year, mm-hmm. and when I hear them, when they say the songs, I'm like, yeah, okay, I hear that. I think of that song. what was I up to when I heard that song? And then I try and remember the year from that, and it's it's amazing how music takes yep. you. It's, you know, fast like you know, yeah, so like Proust and of Madeline's music does the same thing.
0: And they were pretty big at the time, the Shy I mean, this probably yeah. wasn't... They, they, they had bigger songs or more successful songs. I had more no songs, but
1: I... I, I, I do remember what they had. but like, no, I know they had other songs. It's going out of my mind.
2: It's the one that immediately jumps out, but I don't think that was the biggest hit. In fact, I'm, my mind's going blank here.
0: When you mentioned them to to me, Graemei, what jumped out of me was they had a sample, didn't they? The, yes. Uh, Beyonce. Covered for crazy in love. Um, I think it's. A, are you? Are you my woman? Are you course, going to be my woman? Um, and th- you're going to be my woman, and that put them back in the kind of modern soul world again. And then, as you say, Graham, I mean, I mean, then, I mean, then, yeah, absolutely. And everyone then, of course, goes back and revisits the, the catalogue, and you realise that I think there's some like twenty top ten songs I mean, in the seventies that were that were huge.
1: I mean, I just I don't have that. Um... No, epic memory where I can remember everything. But like, you know, yeah, I, I know that I remember the Hitler's the hits, but I can't remember
2: what. <laughs> so just uh, had a quick look here. Have you no, seen yeah. her? Which was covered? Aye. Was, you know, uh, oh, girl, uh, are you my woman? Yeah. Which you just stood out of my mind. I want to pay you back, lonely man. I'm just trying to see her. There will never be any peace, as well.
1: I remember that one, but the others one I definitely yeah. remember.
2: That's a pretty
0: good list, that it really is. Yeah, I'd be happy
1: with listen?
0: that. Works. Yeah, me too, mate. I'd take that. But we're happy to listen. So, this is um, this is Homely Girl by the Child So, that was a uh, homely girl by the Child and we were just saying off air there that uh, they were in this uh, rich vein of forum that uh, that some man's just hit. And there's like only twenty and top ten hits in the last four or five years before that song came out, uh, and and all, all of us are kind of revisiting stuff like that now, which is um, great to see. The next song that um, that you've picked, Graham, I think anyone who does listen to the podcast might just have heard it before. <laughs> so, um, what can you tell me about Waterloo by ABBA?
1: So you know, if you're into music, this is like you know fun. It's like what. FK came over. Um, I remember my mum was probably out in the pub with my auntie and in the boyfriend and stuff like that. I was in the house watching the Eurovision Song Contest by myself, and what And I was like, "What the? Hell <laughs> I knew straight away it was a brilliant record, you, you couldn't." convinced me otherwise that that wasn't yeah. an amazing record yeah. it hit me like a slight I thought it was incredible and it wasn't like oh look at me lassies singing And I, it was just a brilliant record I, mean, yeah. I didn't care about who it was I didn't it's just, it, it was just an amazing memorable and moment
0: it, and is it like a almost like a screenshot can you almost like visualise this oh. the standing there and the
1: that, that I that but that being in my mom's room, the front living room, and uh, you know having the belly on and just being in myself and that twelve year old, I was kind of left to do what I want. But but sort of used to make you know what. Um, so I, I couldn't wait for them to be announced winner well so they could play yeah. again. Cause I knew they were going to win it. It was yeah,
0: like yeah. it just wasn't up for of debate. You knew it straight away. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot we can add really. I think to to Waterloo Arbor. Abba. Um, you know, probably one of the, the the best pop songs ever written. I guess, and certainly in Eurovision land, um, probably nev- never beaten. Um, I don't, I don't know. I put it in a string. I, true. That's very true. So, can you remember? When when bang you, bang. Can you remember what the UK song was? ninety seven? who do you think
2: you are? No.
0: No. That
1: was
2: no. Olivia,
0: Olivia Newton-John, Long Live Love.
2: Oh!
1: I think that came up in Master the other day. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, I, so I still think that it would be nice if the Eurovision <laughs> uh, mattered, but it obviously doesn't anymore. It's just like a cheese fest, but would you have... Yeah. ABBA obviously winning it, was it, Was that just a blip or was was it regarded as a an important thing back in the... back, back in the... sorry, back in the...
1: The 70s. Aye. Then back then it was... I mean, Bucks Fizz obviously came but out of it, but there, then, was there
2: not a couple of other artists that went on and had a career as a result of having an entry to the Eurovision? I Brother, I
1: Brotherhood, Biggeron. a man, maybe? Yeah. Who else? Well, it was that guy, Johnny Logan from Ireland. And who else? You also like, had the fairly big acts. Cliff Richards right? did exactly. John did it. So it was um,
0: almost a, it was like a, a reinvention opportunity for some of the more established acts at the time. Um yeah. some of which went well. I think Cliff Richard might have won actually. But well, congratulations, congratulations, but um but they didn't all do particularly well and say Olivia to John, who was was actually fairly cool at the time. Pretty big sort of country singer who was moving into mainstream. Um but she um she was a bit down the, the pecking order when Abba came through. The only other thing I picked up on was that it was the first um, song that one that wasn't sang in the native tongue. Oh, uh-huh. the but when they won in Sweden, they sang it in Swedish, so they only sang it in English Three. in the final. And
1: then, and then, I mean, and then they went on to sing other songs <laughs> <laughs>
0: quite a lot. And I have one more classic bit of trivia, which I actually smiled at talking about the songs of '74 and that. That memory that you have I guess for yourself especially Graham Do you know they have an intermission in Eurovision So when all the bands play Then somebody comes on and like sings a song As they're doing the counting and stuff like that So the band who played In the intermission in 74 Were the Wombles
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it was
0: at uh, I think it was at Brighton I think it, it took place So very right. British event So the Wombles <laughs> were on there doing their
1: yeah, that's kind of like, I mean, you know, the, the, the backstage food was probably like <laughs> pineapple and cheese on a stick and like banana, uh, banana bloody, uh, what do you call it? Angel delight, you know? Yeah. Ever no. melt cheese in eat. the corner
2: yeah. for the fondue. Uh,
1: cremola, <laughs> cremola foam and bloody... Oh, uh, with have you seen the
2: have you seen the film of no, the Eurovision the Will Ferrell film can't remember what it's called oh that yeah, is, I, that I, is uh, worth watching that is phenomenal I was shocked how, how funny I found it yeah I, they got it bang on
0: Okay, so um goes without saying what a great song Waterloo is, and uh, from the stories there you can hear that everyone has a memory of that Eurovision in 74 and uh, the legacy
2: after that. So without further ado, this is Waterloo by ABBA.
0: With ABBA and Waterloo, that takes us to the end of the songs that we played on the first podcast with Graham in support of his nomination of 1974 being the best year. There are also another seven songs that we didn't play and Graham subsequently talked through why he chose those songs and uh, we have also put them on the playlist that is supporting the podcast on Spotify. The podcast for that will be available in the
1: next few days and we will let you know when it goes on. Thanks again. Catch up soon.